Welcome back to GGM UK's podcast, placing women and ethnic minorities at the heart of all of our projects. You are locked in with Global Girl Media reporters, Paula and Danielle. Today we are going to be talking about invisible disabilities, shielding and COVID-19. An invisible disability is a physical, mental or neurological condition that is not visible from the outside but can limit or challenge a person's movements, senses or activities. That definition is from invisibledisabilities.org. There are an estimated 11 million people in the UK with an invisible disability. When shielding, you should limit your contact with those outside your household's bubble, avoid public transport and if possible going to the shops and always maintain social distancing if you have to leave your home. Shielding began on the 21st of March and more than 2.2 million people were told to shield in order to safeguard their own physical health. Those statistics are from the UK government. Our guests today are the incredible Izzy and Sienna. My name's Sienna and um, I'm 24. Um, I'm a recent graduate. Um, I have a degree in history and um, I'm hoping to get work into uh, property development consulting. I'm hoping to get on a grad scheme. So that's what I'm busy doing at the moment, just applying to grad schemes um so um i have epilepsy and it affects both my physical and my mental health um unfortunately when an episode when an episode occurs it's um i don't feel it coming so safety wise it can be a bit of an issue as in the past i have suffered from seizures on high stools um stairs and um on two occasions in the shower um it usually occurs in stages so it is what the typical uh seizure would look like as people would imagine so you know you sort of see me kind of um uh have uh, an episode where i kind of stare into space and that i fall unconscious and um I lose consciousness and um, I have muscle spasms in my legs and my arms and um, this can continue up to around 10 minutes if it's really prolonged Um, and I carry an emergency medication with me. Hi so I'm Izzy and I am a freelance journalist and campaigner um, and I have cystic fibrosis which is a chronic and invisible disability that basically causes Um, my lungs and digestive system to become blocked with thick sticky mucus which will eventually lead to fatal organ damage so I've been on like a four-hour daily medical routine all my life and regular hospital appointments and it also affects my pancreas so I have to take tablets every time I eat and um, I also suffer from osteoporosis so my bones are very weak um and yeah it impacts like my obviously my physical health and also my mental health I suffer from like anxiety PTSD um and OCD partly because of what I've experienced with CF and being like rushed to A&E from when I was little because my pain can come on like without warning so it's been important for me to keep monitoring it but it has obviously been quite hard and so yeah I mean, it's going to be great having you both on today because, I mean, I personally feel like the government, the media don't really talk about invisible disabilities that much. Um, And I know that, Izzy, you've been shielding during um, coronavirus. How's that been for you? How have you been coping? And do you feel like 
the topic is being talked enough or enough is being done to help people that are shielding at this time? I think it's really difficult. I think for people that were shielding initially in um, the first lockdown, there was a lot more coverage about us and there was a lot more community support as well as like government support. But I think that this time around in lockdown two and then this recent one, there's really been nothing. Like there's been basically no media attention and there's there weren't the same supports in place that were initially there. So there hasn't been care packages with food and there's not been initiatives where people can come and like help deliver our medicine or anything so it has been more challenging and it's felt a lot more isolating I mean I guess I am used to it because I've now been doing it like almost a year but it kind of feels disheartening because we have been forgotten and I'm sure there are lots of people who don't have anyone they can rely on to help them get medicine or food so it must be really scary and also because shielding isn't um required it's like just recommended so I guess in a way it feels like they've done that so they don't have to help us but it's been hard especially because I'm like young and because I don't look physically disabled then people don't take me seriously or so people often don't believe me or know about it so it is hard it just feels quite isolating. I mean it's really sad hearing that experience and even for me, it's I know that I'll never be able to fully relate, um, but I just have a lot of respect for, you know, people that just do incredible things still. And I know that you're an incredible writer and just very inspiring to read your pieces and learn more about that. Um, I know that Sienna with public transport, because you have epilepsy, again, which is an invisible disability, sometimes people may not know you have one. Um, and I know that in the past, you talked to me about how you don't wear a mask on, the tube most of the time because it can trigger a seizure and like people have looked at you and given you dirty looks and kind of what has that experience been like for you and have you ever had an incident where you've had to directly tell someone and they've just not listened to what you've had to say? I feel like a lot of people sort of mis misconceive and they misjudge when they look at somebody who isn't wearing a shield um, or a mask and they sort of think oh well you know you're just maybe one of those people who isn't educating themselves enough about the circumstances of the pandemic and how serious this is and how important it is to protect yourself and other people around you. Um, with me personally like you sort of mentioned about the transport so for me, I can wear um, a mask and I do wear a mask in most public places such as supermarkets and before when restaurants were open and cafes, I did also wear a mask. But the issue with um, some public spaces such as the tube is that it's a very stuffy environment and um, sort of wearing a mask and restricting that many, that much air, or air particles to your breathing, it causes you to hyperventilate and it causes all of us to hyperventilate but for a person with epilepsy um, it's one of the things that provokes a seizure so during the first lockdown last year I found that when I was using the tube I tried to wear all sorts of shielding and all sorts of masks um, even like the really thin um, surgical masks and the thicker ones I tried different variety of masks but ultimately I would start hyperventilating and then I would start panicking because I recognize that I'm hyperventilating which only um, exacerbates the hyperventilating so it just makes me sort of think oh my goodness what if I suddenly have a seizure on the tube um, and you know would these people be able to help me or not um, you know that would make me feel even even worse um, it would make me feel even more anxious and 
I'm suddenly in this atmosphere where other people are sort of looking at me and I feel as though they're giving me looks of disdain and they're sort of looking down on me um, because um, they're mis misconceiving that I, for some reason that because I'm not wearing a mask, I don't respect the circumstances that we're in. So, you know, I, I just sort of feel like it's, it is very difficult. Um, in fact, on one occasion, um, at King's Cross station because it's a very busy station um, on this particular occasion I wasn't I gave up on wearing a mask um, in in the tube so um, I got on the tube and I wasn't wearing the mask and this man he very rudely just started staring at me continued staring at me for a few minutes and then he came up to me he sat right next to me because there was a spare seat and then he just sort of started questioning me very directly as to why I'm not wearing a mask you know how all these people people around me feel about it all these things and I just sort of you know in that moment I sort of held my ground and I sort of thought well you know even though he just sounds quite aggressive I'm just going to keep explaining to him why I don't wear a mask um so I started explaining but it just seems as though he was he was quite aggressive anyway um and he just sort of continued confronting me and uh sort of absently not even thinking about what I'm saying, order this card. It's sort of comes with like a Lian Lard. Um, it's green with sunflowers. Um, and yeah, you could find it on Hidden Disability Store um, and order one if you have a hidden disability and wear it. And hopefully, you know, it, it it's a tool for recognition for other people that, you know, you can't wear face shielding in certain environments um so that's really really important um but even with this it's like why isn't this talked about in the media why why hasn't the government you know talked about this over the news i think a lot of people would benefit from something like this yeah i mean i think that's amazing because i knew there was something that you can use if you have hidden disability but i didn't know about that specifically and i think that it's going to be really useful for our viewers if they need to have one of those when they go out definitely and you kind of talked about your experience on the tube and you should never have to explain your disability to anyone and that kind of leads me on to Izzy you wrote an article for the Guardian in 2019 about I'll read the title my disabilities are invisible I shouldn't have to prove them to strangers so you want to tell us a bit about that experience how that made you feel and how do you think and if you think that would happen now with how COVID is? Um, so yeah, well, I was writing the article and I really wanted to raise awareness about invisible disability. And the best way to do that, I thought, was to talk about my experiences of discrimination. So yeah, that story was basically when I was on a train journey and I'd taken the last priority disabled seat because I can't stand for very long, it makes me out of breath and my bones hurt. So um, I sat down and then a few, people like were looking at me and I felt really uncomfortable and then this old lady came onto the train and this like middle-aged person was like you need to move because they need that seat and you don't and back then I was so shy and I didn't feel like I could stand up for myself and also because my health I was having like a health flare-up and I was just so unwell I didn't have like the capacity to then like get into a discussion with somebody so I did move um and I wouldn't do that now to be honest because I would like stand my ground but it was it wasn't great because a lot of the time people have called me a liar if I say I've 
disabled because they think you know you're too young to have a disability or like you're smiling so you're fine which is just annoying because like I can smile even though I'm in pain like I don't know necessarily how that would change for me in the pandemic because I've not left my house since March last year so I wouldn't really know how I'd go about public transport now I probably would have to avoid it to be honest because like Covid will you know affect my health really badly and my lungs but yeah that piece was important because I don't think people realize I think a lot of people you know police disabled spaces like oh you don't look disabled you can't use the seating or the parking or the toilets but it's like not that many people will lie to use those um, disabled services and more people will probably have an invisible disability if they don't look disabled whatever that means um so there needs to be like greater awareness but also just like understanding everywhere that, that there are these different conditions and like people have different experiences but I think that a lot of people just get kind of angry about things like that and I don't really I don't really understand because although yes that old lady deserved a seat on the train like so did I um and it's like hard really but I mean now I'd probably have just said I'm disabled no and then you know seen if somebody else could move but yeah people have this stereotype of what they think a disabled person is and if you don't fit that stereotype they can't kind of broaden their mind to think that this person might have an invisible disability and something we've seen a lot throughout the pandemic is like the government adverts would you welcome something like that about maybe invisible disabilities and shielding do you think that would help raise awareness this is probably a while ago where they had the like stay at home save the nhs adverts You'd be uh, welcome to, like yeah. something like that that could maybe showcase like the lanyard that you spoke about mm. Sienna would you guys welcome something like that yeah I think is it is that's that's really it I think it is really important to have that because um I think people don't actually realize that um there is really a proportion of society there is a section of our society with invisible disabilities and you sort of sometimes you think with an invisible disability oh you, you know you feel like alone in your experience but I think what's really really comforting to know is that other people have gone through similar experiences and judgment as you have and then you realize that actually there are a lot of people with different kinds of hidden disabilities yeah I definitely think though with the whole covid and the messaging thing a lot of discourse in the public has kind of implied that the vulnerable or the elderly like their lives aren't as valuable as everyone else so I kind of worry about if the messaging came out a lot maybe people like the because I think the people that care will already care about people like me that's shielding but then I think the people that don't care might not like be affected by that if you know what I mean because they've already sort of said you know why should we have to you know stay inside just for people like you you should stay inside even though like my life is so valuable I don't want to have to live inside forever but um no, I get that. Um, and I also know that, you know, you can tell people that if they're vulnerable to shield, but there also has to be that element of making sure that those who are vulnerable, they still receive attention from the hospital, from GPs, and they still are looked after. And I know that Izzy talked about how all of your appointments have moved online and through telephone calls. How has that been? And do you feel like you're still receiving adequate care or do you feel like more should be done to help those um, that are vulnerable and are shielding at this time um it's been hard I think because I've also been nervous to go to the hospital and 
that's kind of made things a bit more difficult. But I think, yeah, it has been tough having phone calls because every time I'd go for appointments, I'd have tests done, like lung function and bloods and stuff. And none of that can happen um, at the moment. And so that has been kind of challenging and also not getting the same kind of being face to face is a bit different than just over the phone. And I think, you know, seeing my doctor and him examining me, that's been challenging. And I've had to kind of be a bit more in tune to how I'm feeling, um, which has been kind of like scary at times because I wasn't really sure what the best thing to do was because often when I have a lung infection, I'll be admitted into hospital. And that was sort of a discussion we were having in summer because I was really unwell. And I was just really nervous about that. Like I just didn't want to be admitted into hospital for two weeks and have to sort of stay there on my own. I just thought that would like really impact my mental health because obviously we can't have visitors and stuff. Um, and also like having therapy and stuff, seeing my psychologist has been like, over zoom that, that actually has been really good like that hasn't really been affected so that's like a positive but I think in general it's been hard because I think a lot of other medical care has kind of gone to the side during the pandemic which is quite like dangerous because obviously other illnesses are still happening and so I just have to hope that like from the infections I've had that my lungs aren't too damaged from that because I obviously don't know what they look like at the moment and yeah it's been challenging and obviously I don't even know how long it's going to keep going like I could be shielding for a while more still so it's hard when you don't have an end point so I'm not sure like how long will I be managing my health myself like it's quite hard to know um and keeping it up like looking after myself it's quite hard after a while because I initially was like okay I'll just be really careful for this amount of time and then I'll be able to be checked out but obviously that hasn't happened so I think it's just been hard and also just tough not being able to see my family really like I've had a lot of like personal like bad things that have happened in my family and I haven't been able to be with them which has been really tough so yeah I think especially in this time we all want to come together and be with our families be with our friends and to not be able to do that to protect your own health must be so difficult and have you mentioned about how seeing your therapist is really helping and this is a question to both of you how has like COVID and shielding impacted your mental health? Um, there's been like a real sense of like uh, a loss of routine, which was close to my normality before, um, where I would have my at home environment and then I would have like my working environment, whether that was at uni or in the library. And um, that was really important for me, especially with my medical health condition, because um, the like the sort of the structure of the routine is really important um, of um, with with sort of sleeping and um, making sure that you're eating healthy and you know you're taking enough walks and everything but I feel like no matter how much I've tried to kind of structure in a normal working routine at home and working from home it has sort of impacted um, my like sort of cognitive abilities to a certain extent I have found it a little bit trickier to concentrate and to stay switched on when it comes to certain mental tasks um, and um, I find that going on walks does help and going running as well I'm trying my best um, I'm doing I'm going on a lot of walks and I'm going running up to almost four times a week so um, I am really really trying to kind of incorporate like fitness into my um, into my daily routine and stay as sort of mentally as well as possible but I think there comes a point where I think it's that 
it's also the uncertainty it's the you know not being able to sort of plan like long-term goals um last year I was trained training for a half marathon because um I was doing fundraising for the British Heart Foundation and it was put off because of Covid and this year I would have wanted to do it again um but unfortunately I just can't I can't set myself goals like that and make plans for things that I would really really like to achieve this year and being restricted in that sense is sort of making me um has had an impact on my mental health I don't know when I'll be able to see because I've got a lot of family abroad as well I've, I don't know when I'll be able to see my friends and my family abroad and I don't know when I'll be able to kind of fulfill these goals so everything is just a little bit it's it's almost under a cloud of uncertainty so I think that's what sort of impacts me mentally a lot and um, last year I spoke to my psychologist more about it um, and we found sort of ways to kind of plan around it and to to cope but I feel like um, you know ultimately hopefully with the vaccination that's come out and the more that people are getting vaccinated we've got that bit of hope that um things will be returning back to normality soon um yeah like shielding I, I agree it's like been really tough on my mental health like I haven't all I've done for basically a whole year is like go on a walk that's all I can do so I've not I didn't get a break over summer like I couldn't see anyone then so I think that's been really difficult just because I really haven't had a break from it it's just been like the same day on repeat for like a year um and in the first lockdown uh, my granddad died and that was like so bad and I couldn't go to his funeral because I'm shielding so I had to watch it on live stream which was just like the worst thing I've ever been through and that just knocked me and I think that summer when everybody else was able to like at least see their family or like go to restaurants even if it was distance and I couldn't do that that just made things so much harder because I wanted so badly to be with my nan and see my other family so that was really hard and then I think this lockdown is like really difficult I think everybody's finding that it's like tough because it's like winter and I think it's just like everything that was sort of fun in the first lockdown like tv or baking is like honestly not that fun anymore it's just like everything's so boring like I don't even want to text my friends even though there's nothing wrong with them like I just feel like texting is like a job now like it's so, it's so weird and I think that I think a lot of people feel that to be honest but it, ha it has just been tough generally not having like normal like contact with people and in a way though I think because it's consistently been the same for me and the rules haven't changed because I've just continued shielding it's not been so overwhelming. I think if the rules were changing as often as they were for everybody else, before Christmas especially, I think I, my mental health would have got so bad because I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. Whereas I've kind of processed the fact that, okay, I'm going to be shielding until enough people have had the vaccine, until at least everybody I'm in contact with that can have it, has had it, then I'm going to stay here and not leave the house. So I kind of like come, like, you know, made peace with that and, you know I, I mean as much as it annoys me like I want to look after my health I don't want to get ill so this is right for me even if it is annoying yeah I mean I'm really sorry to hear about your granddad Izzy I mean it's just awful losing a family member but the fact that you couldn't go to the funeral I think it just makes it a lot worse and I know especially with all the rules being made about certain numbers of people going to funerals but I mean trying to turn it to a more positive note I hope with news, I guess, of all the different vaccines that 
happening. So you have um, like the Pfizer vaccine and the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. It's kind of promising news that hopefully we can all return to some sort of normality soon. So have both of you heard back from your GPs about when you're going to have your vaccines and how do you feel about the vaccine? Hopefully it will make you a bit more hopeful for the future. Um, so with me, I wasn't aware. Initially, I didn't think that epilepsy was a priority group at all um, for obvious reasons, unless obviously you have um, epilepsy and then you have other conditions that you're suffering from, like if you've got severe asthma or sort of other conditions that impact your lungs or your breathing um, or diabetes, for instance. Um, I didn't really think that having epilepsy alone was um, a priority uh, for getting the vaccine, but I recently received an email from uh, the Epilepsy Society UK and also from Young Epilepsy, which are two really good organisations um, that work with the um, that work for the cause. And um, I've learned that apparently I fall into Group Six. So, to my understanding, I think Group Six is for people who are aged. 50 to 70 and um, some of them don't have chronic health conditions but apparently I fall into that age group because I'm a young person with a chronic health condition um, which doesn't necessarily have to affect my um, lung lungs and my breathing so um, that's what I've learned recently in the past week and um, I'm just contacting my GP now to figure out when I will be receiving the vaccine but um, I'm guessing that it probably will be at some time in April or in May and I will definitely be taking the vaccine <laughs> that's for sure um, I think that it's on on that subject I just want to say that um, obviously I respect the views of different kind of views of people you know who different opinions about the vaccine and I understand that some people are really unsure about it um, as a method, method how their immune system will respond to it whether it will trigger any severe side effects or um, whether it will really really protect them but I feel as though um, you know when you kind of put the research behind um, the uh, method of the vaccine uh, the funding that's gone into it um, that's you know multi-millions by this government alone in this country let alone on an international scale and the people who have constructed it I think that you know you kind of have to like do a bit more research and then really ask yourself as to you know really is there like a real reason behind why you wouldn't get the vaccine and everyone in my family is getting the vaccine to my understanding because we all feel that you know it is a very very important cause and you know, at the end of the day, if I get COVID, I know that, uh, well, I think I'm predicting that it could either affect me sort of mildly. Um, I don't know. Um, but, you know, God knows how it could affect me. But I feel as though it's important for me to get the vaccine um, to protect people like Izzy and um, other people who really, really have a lot of issues. <laughs> actually getting the vaccine this week so I'm so excited I literally cannot wait um and yeah I mean there was no question for me like I've had so many different medications and vaccines in my life so there wasn't even sort of hesitation I was like the day we went into lockdown back in March I was like when there's a vaccine I'm having it <laughs> um so yeah I'm like really excited to have it and I don't know when I'm having my second one yet but I mean obviously that will be soon hopefully and it just feel like exciting because it's like one step closer to 
freedom. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's really good. I mean, so I'm living with my dad and my boyfriend and they've been effectively shielding to like keep me safe. And obviously they're not gonna get the vaccine when I get it because they're not actually extremely vulnerable like I am. But um, obviously I'm not gonna be seeing anybody that hasn't had it. Um, so I probably will still be inside for ages, but honestly having that vaccine is like so exciting. I just cannot wait. <laughs> it's like amazing that they've like kind of developed so many so quickly like it's actually been so fast and I'm so excited I think I said that like five times but really I am no, it's really nice to hear and I am excited for you both um, my grandma had her vaccine a couple of months ago and I went with her and at first she didn't want to go but it was also funny because there was lots of she's 88 so there was lots of 88 year olds there and like people who were 80 and above and they were just talking like they were at the bingo about like what are we gonna have for tea tonight and this and that and I found it quite amusing and then my grandma was just moaning as usual like they're taking so bloody long and I'm just like calm down you'll get it eventually but yeah I think it's just so it makes me so happy when I see people around me getting the vaccine and I don't know if I'll even get the chance to get it but um yeah I mean I really want people to get the vaccine I think it's important even if you think oh I'm not going to get the virus it won't affect me you have to think about the people around you especially those that are vulnerable and those who can get ill if they got coronavirus so yeah I'm just excited for both of you yeah I'm really excited you guys it's exactly the thing that you have to like not just think for you think for the world and know that we all want to take that one step just closer to like normality in a world where we can see our friends and do what we used to do and so I'm definitely, I'm so excited for you, Izzy, about getting the vaccine this week. And hopefully, Sienna, you'll get yours soon. And then we can all start getting them. And every every day with the vaccines, we're getting like one step closer. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I think I just want to say, like, obviously, I get that people are understandably worried. Like, if they've not ever had anything medical in their life, like, it's kind of uncertain. But I guess it's like people have different medications, like, all the time. Like, the amount of vaccines I've had, honestly, I just think it's like they have trialed it, they've tested it, they know it works. They're not going to give anybody anything dangerous. Like, it is safe. So I think, yeah, just keep that in mind as well. Like, it is, it is safe. Yeah definitely I think that's really important and while we're talking about like the vaccine and coming towards hopefully the end of shielding do you guys think you've learned anything about yourself while you've been shielding? Um, for me it's mainly to do with um, just like sort of standing my ground a bit more confidently from the incident that happened to me and just being a lot more confident in and upfront in um in trying to kind of explain my reasons for not being able to shield in those sort of circumstances and also you know how important it is um that um i i'm just i continue to be positive despite situations like that because then if i just give in and if i get upset over it um you know it's not really it's not going to do me any favors if it happens again um so that's really my lesson yeah, I think I've learned loads about myself, to be honest. I think that I've learned I like my alone time. <laughs> like, I do value that. And I think it's made me realise, like, who is so important in my life and who I need to, like, always look after. And it's just, yeah, made me realise a lot of things like that. And also just that it's okay to sort of take things slowly and things are tough and we should be kind of kind to ourselves about that. I've really learned sort of how to be 
a lot kinder to myself, which has been nice because I normally give myself such a hard time. So I think that's been really positive. And I think I have gained a lot of confidence because I think I've received a lot of negative comments, whether that's people telling me that my life isn't valuable or whatever it is. So I think I've got kind of got to a point where I'm like, no, they're wrong. And I'm going to say that. And I think because I've been doing a lot of campaigning as well, my confidence around speaking out about things that make me angry has just like really got a lot like has increased so much. And I think that that's like something I'm really happy about because I really like to be able to make a difference. So, yeah. And I think you're really making a difference because your articles I said are amazing. I know you went on Sky News and talked about your life and having CF. And for me, I watched it and it did make me upset because I think it really puts things into perspective. You think about what's really important and what's not. And I think we're all guilty of sometimes stressing over something that's not even that important or that big of a deal but in the moment that's kind of the way we are but yeah thank you so much for drawing attention to this topic and I guess the final thing I want to ask you both is what advice would you give to young people that are watching that perhaps have an invisible disability and they feel like their voices aren't being heard or they just feel very lost at this time um, I would say just keep positive and try and be hopeful. Try and find positivity in the little things, which is something that I didn't say initially, which really does help me. Like, uh, for instance, if you, you know, you go on walks or, you know, um, do mindful activities such as meditate and and really, really sort of um, like uh uh, just be mindful of the fact that you you know you're overcoming um, bigger barriers and bigger obstacles than people who don't have a invisible disability or any form of disability really so um, you should be really proud of yourself for managing to get through this really really difficult time and um, just keep positive and know that um, hopefully um, the end is nearer than it was last year <laughs> and um, uh there's a lot to look forward to in the future uh, i would say to other people that are maybe invisibly disabled that firstly you're never too young or whatever to stand up for yourself and to help raise awareness about things if you want to but at the same time you shouldn't feel that you have to if you don't want to stand up for it you don't have to you're going for enough as it is without having to put that burden on yourself so i would just say like be proud of yourself for literally just getting through this time because it's been so difficult. Um, know that your life is valuable no matter what anybody says because that's like those views are so ridiculous. They're not, you know, you can't even really take them into consideration because they don't matter. And I think just trying to, yeah, like take a moment to like see how much you've achieved just from literally getting to this point and just be yeah easy on yourself and yeah, if you want to stand up for yourself, go for it, though. You can never be, like, too too young or inexperienced, whatever. You live, you're living through what you're going through, so you can tell people that, like, that's valid. So, yeah. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming on and talking to us today, because I've certainly learned a lot, and I'm sure that everyone listening will just be really inspired by both of your stories, and you've just given loads of amazing words of wisdom. So thank you. And if you want to drop any of your kind of social media handles so that people can follow you or any of your articles or work then feel free to say them now my twitter is ijannyfriend and my instagram is ijannyfriend um i talk a lot about disability so if you want to see that then you know um and thank you so much for having me it's been such a good conversation
Yeah. So um, I, I'm not really a regular user of Twitter. Well, I used to be, but I haven't. I've stopped sort of recently um, having a bit of a break from it. But um, yeah, on Twitter, you can just find me under my first and second name, which is Sienna. And my second name is very long. It's Trend Affalova. It's very, very complicated to spell. But um, yeah, my Instagram account is the same. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me um, speak about this topic. I think it's really, really important. And I've really enjoyed listening to Izzy and um, her experiences as well. I just want to let all of our podcast family know that the Global Girl Film Festival is coming up this year. And it's our first ever film festival. It will be held from the 18th to 21st of March. Yes, four days. And it's jam-packed with films, live speakers and Q&As. Tickets will be out soon, so keep your eyes peeled on our social media and website for updates and releases. Tune in next month for more content from, you guessed it, Global Girl Media UK. Stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.